Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 81 of Generation GC, a Generation RX retrospective episode. Generation RX is Good Charlotte's seventh and most recent studio album released in 2018. My guests are Caitlin Savage and Adam Grundy. Last time, we talked about Stick to Your Guns interlude from Youth Authority, and on our next episode, we'll be talking about a song from Good Charlotte. Since we've covered every song from Generation RX in an episode of the show, I wanted to go back and do a retrospective episode talking about the album as a whole, going song by song, and thinking about reactions to it, as well as its place in GC's discography. And yes, you heard that right! Two guests! Guests, plural! Caitlin will be speaking on the album from a fan perspective. Adam had reviewed the album for Chorus.fm, so he'll be sharing the critical perspective, as well as what it's like being a music critic that loves GC. Caitlin Savage was introduced to Good Charlotte in 8th grade, and since freshman year of high school, they've been the soundtrack of her life. She's seen them play every time they come through Denver, as well as a few times in Las Vegas. She has a pretty significant Good Charlotte tattoo that she will also tell you all about. Caitlin is a stay-at-home mom of twin one-year-old girls. She loves to garden and dreams of being a full-time homesteader. Adam Grundy is a music writer for Chorus.fm, a website led by Jason Tate, formerly of Absolute Punk. I'm sure y'all are familiar. It's a pretty big deal. And I was honored to speak to him. Adam is originally from Olney, Maryland, and he's also written music reviews for his college, St. Mary's College of Maryland, and for a hobby on sites like Amazon and Best Buy. His writing has been featured on several cross-promoted press releases, as well as book reviews, like Mike Henneberger's Rock Bottom at the Renaissance. Listeners, I'm sure you remember hearing Mike come on the show last summer to talk about Waldorf Worldwide, so I love this connection. Adam first started listening to GC back when the band released their self-titled record and met them at Tower Records in Rockville, Maryland, and he's been an avid fan ever since. So you're going to hear Caitlin speak first. She'll wrap things up, and then I'll do a very brief transition, and then you'll hear Adam speak, and finally you'll hear my normal show outro. I also want to say I love having guests from all around the world and from all different backgrounds on Generation GC. If English isn't your first language, that's okay. As long as you're comfortable holding a conversation in English, you're good to go. And different backgrounds doesn't just mean location or ethnicity. That means ensuring a varied gender and sexuality representation and representing fans of different ages, fans with their own unique life experiences of any sort. I also want to keep mentioning blacklivesmatters.card.co, antisemitism.card.co, and antiasianviolenceresources.card.co. It's important to continue educating ourselves and staying informed. Finally, Generation GC stickers are here. If you do want stickers, there's a few things you can do. Number one, support the show on Anchor. Go to anchor.fm slash generationgcpod and click support. All of that money goes right back into helping me make the show the best that it can be. It helps me print and ship the stickers, and it helps me get equipment that I need, such as microphone cables, laptop risers, headphones, etc. Also helps me pay for things like Dropbox storage. I back everything up on Dropbox. I buy external hard drives to back things up again. Number two, rather than a specific organization, Caitlin has suggested that you shop local. I mean, look, it's so easy to buy whatever you need on Amazon. Free shipping, it gets here in, you know, two days or maybe even overnight. But supporting local businesses really helps people and it helps communities. Number three, Adam has suggested that you make a donation to Cancer Can Rock. You can go to cancercanrock.org, and they're a nonprofit organization that strives to serve musicians struggling with aggressive cancer by giving them studio time and helping them 
get music produced and created, which is something that is so, so needed, especially when people are really struggling. So you are going to support the show on Anchor, or you're going to shop local, or you are going to make a donation to Cancer Can Rock. You're going to show me that you've done one of those three things and send me that and your mailing address, and I will send you stickers. You can send me an email, generationgcpod at gmail.com, or you can hit me up on social media, generationgcpod, P-O-D, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and I'll help you out. I'll get you sorted. Well, thank you for tuning in, and now on to episode 81. So, Generation RX is Good Charlotte's seventh and most recent studio album. It was released in 2018. Y'all, this is also our first album retrospective episode. I was just discussing with Caitlin that, um, you know, Gen RX is GC's shortest album in terms of tracks. I believe in terms of runtime, too, just because it's so few tracks. Um, but yeah, so it's the first album episode we're getting to, and I'm really excited. The album has nine tracks. Uh, Generation RX, which was episode 73 of the show with Alicia Cherubino. Self-Help, that was episode 40 with Title Babes. Shadow Boxer was episode 8 with Emily Burke. Actual Pain was episode 65 with Darina Semilenko, all the way from Ukraine. Prayers was episode 49 with Nina McLaren, all the way from Germany. Cold Song was episode 16 with Sam Warren. Leech featuring Sam Carter was episode 57 with Tiffany Cobb. Better Demons was episode 32 with Floriana Lasavita up in Canada. California, The Way I Say I Love You was episode 24 with Alyssa Gardner. I love, by the way, four different countries represented here in these episodes. That's that's pretty cool. The album had four singles. Actual Pain was the first single. And we'll talk in a bit. I want to talk about uh, the choice for the single order. Actual Pain was first, followed by Shadow Boxer, Prayers, Self-Help, and Cold Song might be a single. I was seeing something about that. I wish I saved that, but I feel like I saw something about Cold Song being like a late single release. Does, do, does that ring a bell for you at all, Caitlin? No, I I feel like that might have been only, a typo. The only single that I was like super into, like aware of happening was Actual Pain because it was the first one. Yeah. And yeah. then I feel like once I had my hands on the record, I wasn't listening to like the singles. Radio. Yeah. 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 I, I don't know. That could have been like a mistype or a misprint somewhere. Uh, the album was produced by Benji Madden and Zach Servini. It was engineered by Servini and Courtney Ballard. We talked about Courtney Ballard a little bit, actually, with the Habits, who were on, I want to say it was like episode 62, talking about last night, but they had also worked with Courtney. So that was just like a really fun fact to kind of relate to and everything. And yeah, so, I mean, GC has not toured a ton since this album came out, but uh, here's what songs they have played live per setlist.fm. So we are going to go through the songs i'll share how many times each has been played so generation rx has been played about 32 times i think it was like their set opener kind of like an intro track self-help has 31 plays i mean that was like a big single from the album so of course you heard it a lot shadow boxer has 11 plays actual pain has 20 plays 
Prayers has 37 plays. Cold Song has not been played live. Leech is uh, number 85 in terms of their most played song. So it's pretty low down. It has apparently only been played one time at Alexander Palace in London with Sam Carter. Um, Better Demons has not been played live. California has not been played live. So it kind of seems like if you've, and, and of course the set list numbers are not always accurate, especially outside of like the U S and North America. But I think that gives you like a rough picture. Um, and you know, if you've seen them since Gen RX came out, you've heard Gen RX, you've heard self-help, you've likely heard actual pain and you've probably heard prayers. Yeah, they really like prayers. They do. Yeah. It's uh it's an interesting juxtaposition like prayers and we believe. That was that was I feel like I talked about that with on both episodes for both those songs. Um because we believe in and, and we'll get into this, but we believe is like a proclamation of faith in a sense and prayers is like, is that literally and we believe like you're you're proclaiming right, your belief. Right. And and prayers is almost like uh yeah no <laughs> it's a little it almost feels a little contrary to that um but caitlin my question for you right now in your opinion which songs that were not played live should have been played live or they should have been played more often and which songs that this is the controversial bit but which songs that were played pretty regularly do you think they could have left out Um, I think it's a shame that they didn't play California at any of the shows because the way that that song hits me at the end of the record is as if like a longtime friend is giving you a hug before they Mm -hmm. leave town again. Yes. Oh, what a great descriptor. I feel like that would have been a really good way to like send the crowd off um, for your Generation RX tour to like play that song as your grand finale. Um, so that's a bummer that they didn't play that. It was also kind of the most like happy and cheerful kind of tone of the record. Um, so I wonder why they never chose to play that, um, which were the songs that were played a bunch of prayers and and actual pain, uh, prayers and self-help followed by actual pain. Okay. Um, yeah, like I said, they really like prayers um they talk about that song a lot I feel like um and I can see um both actual pain and self-help um like really hyping up the crowd like they're so good charlotte and like their guitarness and like the the construction of the song as far as like where, where it's fast and where it's slow and so I can see um the fans us getting real riled up with those songs and that yeah. would be just make it fun but on the whatever the word is for the list of songs that list, that yeah that list, thank you yeah so i okay so i have a thought on why california may have been kind of left out and i think like maybe because it was a acu- it's acoustic and i agree it would have been like an amazing break in this set you know maybe you do a bunch of gen rx songs ending with California and then you transition into like you know lifestyles festival song like to kind of end off the night um yeah what I would have loved to hear was cold song I just feel like that that song also has hope and 
I, I don't know. Like we need, we need more of that. Right. Um, and I feel like leech, I would have loved to hear leech as like a regular part of the set list. I can see that leech leech kind of stands out on the record for me. Um, Cause it feels a little, um, it, it gives me Lincoln park vibes. Like every time I, Ooh, every okay. time I hear it, okay. I think of Lincoln park and um, so I can, I can see how maybe that would like why they would leave that out mm-hmm. because it's mm-hmm. just like a little bit extra different yeah. than the yeah. normal good Charlotte sound. Yeah. Um, and like, I'm sure that we'll talk about this, but Generation RX is, is dark and gritty and heavy. And mm-hmm. so you kind of got to sprinkle that through a, a live show, um, you know, sparingly. Because, yes. every, you know, we're there to party and do our punk jump and scream. And while some of us, I'm sure you and I would be crying the whole entire time. Like, that's not really what they're going for. No. As no. far as, like, the mood of the set. Yeah, definitely not. Um. Well, I just want to go through some chart notes. That's that's a great point, by the way. That's a great point. Uh, so many of us could cry through the whole set, but also they it, you got to make it like a good time. Um, right. But yes, I want to go through some chart notes real quick. So the album spent one week on the top album sales chart. It peaked at number 18. And for reference, Chronicles peaked at number three. Young and the Hopeless and Good Morning Revival peaked at number seven. Youth Authority peaked at number 11, Cardiology at number 31, and the self-titled at number 185. Um, It also hit number 11 on alternative albums and number 28 on top rock albums. But in terms of like the top album sales figure, I mean, it sits kind of in the middle of like their other albums. Um, So it's pretty good. Yeah, I got a lot of commentary when I would tell people that I was excited about this new Good Charlotte record coming out. The response (laughs) I would get was, Charlotte's still a band. Right. Yes, they're still a band. They never Right. It's good. They're making music. Here's their new music right here. Yeah. But very few people have been devotedly following them for 10 plus years. Yeah. No, definitely the fan base has gotten smaller. 20 years? Yeah, 20. (laughs) (laughs) 2003. Yeah. I mean, definitely, definitely. And we talk about this on the show all the time, but definitely like the number of people like diehard interested in, I think, Good Charlotte has grown smaller since like the Chronicles and even Good Morning Revival. But like there's still a dedicated fan base. And I think they get like some new people kind of new people coming in and some old people do come back with every release. Yeah. And then there's the diehards that have been in it all along. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, and I, I think they really keep making it for us. I mean, they talk about how much they love their fan base and how much they're here. They're, you know, they're they're where they are by the grace of us, and then they come to play shows. Yeah. Um, so I I feel like they're they're pretty dedicated to us, also. I definitely agree. And Caitlin, I mean, we've talked a little bit over Instagram and such, but I really want to help our listeners get to know you because you are a diehard GC fan like myself and like everyone who listens to this show. Uh, So the first thing I like to ask people is when did you first hear Good Charlotte and what were your first thoughts on them? Um, My first memory of Good Charlotte is I was in eighth grade, like I said, in 2003 and my eighth grade best friend, Amy, 
was showing me music. And so we Mm -hmm. were sitting, I forget where we were, but we had a CD player. And I remember her pulling out the CD that just has the blue, the the sky right in the clouds and no writing. I'm like, what is this? And so she played it for me. And I remember digging like every single song and really liking it. But she was the kind of person that like, wouldn't let the song finish. And so she kept like skipping to the next Oh my god. Oh my gosh, it was so annoying. And then um, so I like remember really liking that, but when I really like connected with Good Charlotte was the next year. So I was a freshman in high school, and this was back in the day when um there was this thing called MTV2 that you could put on the TV and it just um played music videos back to back. And that's all it was, was just music videos. And so Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous was blowing up. And so it was played pretty regularly. Um, and it got stuck in my head without me knowing what it was. And I remember like singing it in the shower to myself, being like, what is this? I have to figure out what song this is. <laughs> and then when I was finally watching the MTV2 at the right moment and Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous came on and, you know, the guys walked down the stairs and Billy's in his, or uh, not Billy, <laughs> Benji is in his Liberty Sprikes and like that Mm -hmm. walk down the stairs. And I was like, oh my God, what is this? Give it all to me. I want it all. And I want it all forever, apparently. Amazing. Well, I do know the answer to this question, as I often do. But have (laughs) you ever seen Good Charlotte live? Yes, I've seen Good Charlotte live probably 10 or 11 times. I would really have to like really sit down and like count and like Google when the shows were because I've definitely seen them every single time that they've come to Denver since 2003. And then I've seen them in um, Las Vegas a couple of times. Amazing. Yeah. So I want to, I want to hear a little about that. I mean, you know, growing up in Denver, did a lot of bands come through? I did a lot of tours stop through. Pretty much anybody that was on tour would make a stop in Denver. We have a very, vibrant and thriving music scene um and so pretty much if i had ever wanted to see somebody they would generally have a denver stop Um, it was rare that denver would get missed um so i'm pretty sure every single tour good charlotte's been on has come through denver um and then i've gotten to see everybody else i love like i've seen fallout boy a couple of times and pink my very first concert ever was pink Ooh. Yeah, at the Fillmore. Uh, so I've never been like, oh, you're not coming to my town because Denver's music scene is pretty serious. Yeah. What I've experienced, uh, what I experienced in college, living in Cleveland for college was like, yeah, pretty much every band would come to Ohio, but like they may or may not come to Cleveland. Like mm. not everyone would hit Cleveland and Columbus and Cincinnati. Like you might get two. Yeah, that's bummer. Yeah, see, we're not split. It's like there's Denver, the suburbs of Denver, and then it's rural. Right. Like, there's not. Right. There's no other metropolis points really in Colorado. Really, right, 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 right. Yeah, in Colorado. Well, I want to hear about this uh, trip to Vegas for GC. Okay, so the first one, I was a teenager. I was like sixteen, I think. So the thing is, my mom loves Vegas, okay? So she okay. decided to make an excuse to go to Vegas, then we go. I okay? can't. So you went to Vegas with your mom to see Good Charlotte? My mom and my sister and my dad. 
a whole family trip to Las Vegas. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a cute story. So my mom comes to me and she's like, Hey, guess what? I'm like, what? She's like, good. Charlotte is playing at the hard rock, hard rock hotel in Las Vegas. And we're going, ah, lose my mind picture. Just 16 year old girl fans <laughs> all over the place. So, um, so we go and my dad is going to take a motorcycle motorcycle trip somewhere else, whatever. And so we're actually at the pool at the hard rock hotel and um, I watched this man jump into the pool and I like recognize him. And when he gets out of the pool, it was my dad. He had like sneaked with my sister to like come meet us in Las Vegas and surprise Aww. us. So that was really sweet and funny. Um, and then I have a great story. So I had my CD sleeve of the young and the hopeless. I'm pretty sure in my pocket with a Sharpie the whole entire time I was in Vegas because yeah. if I ran into them somewhere. Exactly. I Exactly. So I took the CD sleeve to my parents and I was like, look at these faces. Look at these guys. If you see them while you're gambling, you have to let me know. And I'm going to come and talk to them. Okay. So look at these faces. Okay. So we never saw them while we were in Vegas. However, when we were at the airport on our way home, I was reading a book. I have no idea what I was reading, but I think it was Harry Potter. And I was reading my book and I was completely engrossed. And my mom says, Kate, look. And no joke, Dole walks by in a hat. So I grab my CD sleeve and my marker, which I had not put away, and I go and I talk to him. Oh, so my God. So I walk over, and so it's Joel. And also, Benji is laying down in Paris Hilton's lap. Just right, because like they, the they were dating her on then. Right, right, right. Yeah, so that's, that's, the, that's the era we are in in this story. Wow. And so I start talking to them and I tell them I'm such a big fan and I just saw them play at the hard rock and I'm going to see them again in two weeks when they come to Denver. Could you please sign my thing? And my sister had followed me and he was like, do you want a picture? And I was like, yeah, go get my camera. Because at the time I was carrying around a giant ass DSLR because we didn't have smartphones. And so my sister gets my camera and I get a picture with Benji and Joel and my sister and Paris Hilton took the picture incredible yeah. incredible I love that so, and they, they were so sweet to me they listened to me tell my like they just listened to me they were so nice to me and it was actually hysterical because this adult woman came up and was like trying to talk to Paris Hilton and Benji told her to, to screw off like she was like he was like no we're not having that but they wow. talked to me all day amazing I love that so was what so a sweet yeah. what a great story well yeah, was- Caitlin, I also hear you have a pretty significant Good Charlotte tattoo. I think you said it's a willow tree. I mean, tell me about this. Tell me, like, what's what's going on? Why why a willow tree? Um, I, I'm obsessed with trees, and I always have been. And so I wanted, I, I don't actually remember how this came to be, but I wanted a tree tattoo, and I wanted a Good Charlotte tattoo, so I smushed them together. Why not both? And so... <laughs> It's pretty significant. It's my entire back. Um, it was my first tattoo ever is my entire back is tattooed. And, uh, so I went to my tattoo artist with my ideas and she ended up drawing something really magnificent. So in the, the trunk of the tree, there's like the GC insignia in the old English, like the classic GC hanging out, like as if it had been carved into the tree. Sure. And then in, in the leaves of the tree, I have all the guy's signatures, which I actually personally acquired. Uh, um, so it took me a few years. Yeah. Um, I didn't have Benji's for a while. 
I got Benji's at that um, Las Vegas story, but I had gotten the other guys's earlier the first time I wow. met them. The Las Vegas story is like the third-ish time, I think. Wow. That I so interacted cool. with them. So cool. And so on either side of the tree, I have flanking the girl and boy fairies from the Chronicles of Life and Death. Mm-hmm. And um, there's also the, the little skulls from Chronicles of Life and Death are like all over wow. up in it. Wow. And then in the bottom, so it's kind of like a tree on a river and it's got water on the bottom. Okay. And in the water are the lyrics of moving on, um, life, hope, truth, trust, fame, pride, love, lust, pain, hate, lies, guilt, laugh, cry, live, die. Wow. And so those are in there. Those were like the Chronicles of Life and Death. And um, the, uh, the Young and the Hopeless were just like the soundtrack to my high school. Like I just had it playing all of the time. And so that particular phrase in that song, like I would say it over and over to myself. Um, like it's like a, like a prayer, like a comfort. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, those are my, that's my guitar tattoo. Incredible. Incredible. Thank you for, for sharing yeah. all of that. I, I, <laughs> I love that you incorporated so much about it. Well, last thing I'll ask before we talk a little more about Generex is I hear that uh, in addition to taking care of the little ones that you are really into gardening, what, what do you grow or what are you currently growing? Um, this, so it's um, September right now. And yeah. so the, this is my first season gardening. So I grew the summer, the spring and summer of this year. And I grew all of your like basic vegetables. I grew several different kinds of tomatoes, Mm -hmm. two different kinds of cucumbers, several different kinds of peppers. Um, One of my favorite things that I grew are these tiny little fruit called cucumelons. And they're literally like tiny little cucumbers that look like tiny watermelons. Okay. And another name for them is actually called mouse melons. And so you just pop them in your mouth and eat them. They're like little sour cucumber bites. Um, and then I grew ground cherries, which are like these little delicious little berries. Wow. Um, yeah. And I grew some squash. Wow. So you're like keeping it busy. You've got like a full salad bar practically. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to grow like, uh, well, I just wanted to learn. So I just grew as many types of things that I like to eat. Yeah. And um, I, I learned a lot. It was an incredibly fruitful growing season, not only for like the actual harvest of the fruit, but mm-hmm. like I learned so many things. I can identify so many plants from seedlings now. It's pretty funny. I love that. That is so cool. Uh, well, let's get in to Generation RX a little bit. I want to know first up, Caitlin, why is Gen RX important to you? What sticks out to you about the album? Uh, just in brief, you know, what sticks out to you about the album, either personally or in thinking about it in relation to their discography? Um, all right. So I think that Generation RX is most important to me because it, it's the most recent record. Mm-hmm. And like 2018 is kind of getting far away now, but it still feels really recent yeah. as far as like the, in the time span of Good Charlotte. And so just the fact that they're still together, they're still making music. The music still gives me all the feels like Generation RX, like I said, is dark and gritty and it has kind of this like shadowy tone to it all. But mm-hmm. there's also mm-hmm. this like depth in the way that they made the music and the instrumentals and the vocals that 
just is more grown up than like say young and the hopeless okay which also i'm more grown up and so i'm more interested in the depth that was created there yeah um and so every time i listen to it i'm just like wow y'all are y'all are grown-ups making this music this isn't this isn't team team pop punk anymore yeah (laughs) i'm not a team pop punk so no they've i mean they've grown with us you know, they've grown yeah. as their fan base has grown. Exactly. Um, so I think that's what I love most about it is just the depth. Um, but it's still so good, Charlotte. Yes. Like it's it still has the um like in prayers when it's like na 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 na. Like yeah. Uh, it's so good. Oh yeah. Well, I so this you could have two answers for this. It could be one song, but what is your favorite song on the album? And what song do you feel is most representative of this album? Mm, okay. My, my favorite song is actual pain. Okay. Um, it was the first single, as we have said. And so um, in good Charlotte is like one of my connections to the universe. Right. Yeah. So I was in a lot of pain actually going through a great, a breakup with my grandmother oh, when nice. that song hit. And so the fact that I like the song that they gave me was called actual pain. And I'm like, yes, I'm in actual pain. Yeah. That's what's yeah. actually happening. And then I got to have a good Charlotte song to listen to and sing to and be with while I was moving through that really difficult time. Um, so actual pain is definitely my favorite. I think ooh, it's kind of a draw between like self-help and cold song. Like what's more representative of the whole album. Okay. Um, I'm trying to look at my notes, <laughs> uh, but they all, they're all really tied together. Like with just the grittiness. I don't know what a better word to describe it. Like they're Mm -hmm. all really tied together with like that shadowy grittiness. Um, yeah. Does that, does that, did I answer all of the questions? That's a great answer. Um, I was going to say my two favorite songs are actual pain and cold song. I feel like I, I actually feel like actual pain is most is very representative of the album uh especially and we'll talk about this just in a second is when you think about the themes and the kind of inspiration behind the album totally um well yes i mean listeners we've we've talked about this and you know i think pretty much every generation rx episode uh there was a very significant backstory regarding lil peep good charlotte had covered awful things Uh, at a memorial for his funeral after Lil Peep uh, passed due to a drug overdose. Um, And they've also mentioned, although not quite as frequently, they have mentioned also Chester Bennington's passing about a year before this album came out. Um, Some questions to kind of keep in mind, and I think we can sort of address these as we get into individual songs, is, you know, is the album about addiction and drug use is it about suicide or is it more general you know is it general or specific and i think we can sort of talk about that a little bit with some individual songs um production notes that i was thinking about i mean this album has a lot of strings but 
I was just thinking like in comparison to Chronicles, another album that had a lot of strings, this feels more, it's definitely a gritty album, but there's like some tastes of a little electronics. Whereas I feel like Chronicles was this very like old fashioned Gothic vibe. I can agree with that. Yeah. Well, I want to go through the album song by song. Um, and kind of talk about how how they each hold up any takeaways i want to know your your thoughts if you have any thoughts uh on what was shared on the episode and if we still feel the same as what was shared on the episode or as we as we uh, felt when the album came out and we're going to uh, take a look at some you know just sort of general critical reception for a few songs sounds good yeah so first up, Generation RX. Once again, my guest was Alicia Cherubino. Um, and this is the intro to the album. So it's kind of, I, I have said it was like an overture to introduce you to the themes of the album. Um, I would love to hear, Caitlin, like what, what was your thoughts on this song when it came out? And what are your thoughts on it now? Like, do you still feel pretty similarly about it? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, I When I just listened to this again today, um, I remember listening to it the first time and I got like full body chills. Yes. Again, like, Good Charlotte is here. Like, I, like the intro song to a Good Charlotte rapper, record is like opening a present, right? Mm-hmm. Like so much amazingness is about to happen. And like Joel's voice is the sound of just like peace and calm and happiness in my body. So when it opens and he's like, Ooh, I'm just like, Oh my God. Yes. And it was such a lovely like invitation to the album. Like some of the other intros are a little bit like more aggressive in in specific. I'm thinking of a new, a new beginning. Um, is just like a little clangy and like I'm not gonna listen to that every single time I listen to that record. Okay. But I am gonna listen to Generation RX every time I open Generation RX to listen to. Okay. I I I, I think that's fair. Um it, the critical reception of this one was interesting. I mean a lot of the small blogs loved it. We're gonna talk about when the horn blows. I mean I I've mentioned them a few times, but they called this song harmonious and meandering and they had, I mean, truly a phenomenal review, just like really detailed and well-written. Um, Chorus.fm did have what I feel like honestly is a good point. They said that putting an interlude on such a short album is a risky endeavor. That's fair. Like, it doesn't mean it was the wrong choice, but I don't know. I feel like that's a fair, a fair shot. It is. But also I'm like, what else could they have added to this album? What could they have taken away, you know? Yeah, uh, that sounds kind of like a throwaway criticism to me. Like, oh, it might have been a little risky. Like, we wrote an intro to our album. Yeah. You listened yeah. to the album, didn't you? Then the intro yeah. worked. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, self-help up next. So that was episode 40 with Title Babes. I have interpreted that song to say it's essentially about not liking yourself and how your thoughts can kind of spiral when you're alone and just thinking about the importance of taking care of yourself. I often talk about self-care 
on this show. And that, you know, is a natural relation to a song called self-help. Um, this did get brought up in a few interviews. I mean, the twins talked about it on their NPR interview. Billy talked about it in an interview with a Cornwall seeker. Um, I am curious, Caitlin, before we talk about some reviews, uh, what your thought on this song was when the album came out and what your thoughts on this song are now. Uh, yeah, when the album came out, um, self-help, like the sound of self-help sounds like more classic Young and the Hopeless mm-hmm. vibe to me. And it's just, um, it hits that kind of like more pop-pop, up, like upbeat, middle, upbeat, middle. Yeah. That is like that I could identify as a good Charlotte song, like without having known it was a good Charlotte song. Not that like I would ever have a problem identifying a good Charlotte song. Yeah. But um, were I a lay person that was not obsessed with good Charlotte, possibly that would like cue cue somebody in. Um, So yeah, I just was way more into the sound of that song than what the lyrics were saying. Gotcha. Gotcha. I, uh, I, love the lyrics to this one and you know as i said i i talk about just mental health and self-care a lot and i certainly have felt that you know idle thoughts will do their thing um and i have made such an effort in my own life especially during quarantine like i picked up knitting and crochet uh because i was like i can't just sit here um a lot of outlets compared this to their early material um Distorted Sound Mag did not really find the album very interesting. And they said this song was forced um, from Stars and Scars and Exclaim liked it. Dead Press said that they got their mojo back. Uh, Punktastic said it relied on a tired cliche, which I, I don't know, whatever. Punktastic does not have a tendency to be super nice to Good Charlotte. So I'm um, like, whatever. Um, and the fan comments were mojo most- back never lost their mojo. I mean, I agree, but <laughs> uh, that's probably written by someone who maybe just wasn't paying attention for a while. Um, the fan comments were pretty positive, and a lot of people were saying that it felt like their old stuff. Do you? How do you feel about that? I feel like you you certainly agree with that. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah, that's what I. Yeah. That's what I said. It has, it has Young and the Hopeless vibes. It really mm-hmm. is like in line with what I expect from a good Charlotte song. Um, and that's comforting and nice. Um, and it was yeah. just really pretty. It sounded good. Yeah. I, I agree with you. Uh, up next, Shadow Boxer. That was episode eight with Emily Burke. Uh, this one is super introspective. To me, it kind of, you know, dives into what people say about you, what you say to yourself, and does that match up with reality? Are you being kind to yourself? How does, you know, the things that people say to you impact how you see yourself? Very, very introspective. Um, And I feel like in that sense, very representative of, I think, the fact that this is a very introspective album. Yeah, totally. Um, On your episode of this song, you and your guests were discussing, like, the song title, Mm-hmm. and how you interpreted that and I, I interpreted it straight literal like shadow boxing like you are boxing your shadow and um I feel like the video kind of plays into that with the whole mirror thing yes yes it definitely does into. and uh yeah it's definitely like 
you know, there's this, there's three different kinds of conflict in literature. There's man versus man, man versus God and man versus self. And we're very much in man versus self in this song. Yes, you are totally right, Caitlin. I mean, this is definitely a man versus self album. Um, And I have an interesting tidbit that I think I mentioned in talking about the video for this song on that episode was that Joel was telling the independent that he hates making videos because he's self-conscious. And I think that's totally valid. And frankly, probably a lot of artists do feel that way. Um, And I think it's great that he said that because that's super relevant to the song. Uh, I want to know, Caitlin, your thoughts on this song when it came out and in comparison to how you feel about it now. Uh, I loved it when it came out. I think it just like got me in my chest, you know, the, the way the music like ran yes. through my body. It was, it was just right, right in my chest. And I was, you know, you know how your mind wanders a lot of the time. Like I wasn't totally. really wandering. I was really in this song, listening to what happens every time it comes on, it kind of like brings me in deep for that. And um, yeah, just the whole conflicts of like, are, can you look at yourself in the mirror? And like, are you showing up to the world in a way that makes you want to look at yourself in the mirror? Yeah. Um, and like, what what is your shadow? And do you need to be boxing it? Yeah. That's my little one. But yeah, yeah I, I thought this song was really beautiful and I really enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, love your interpretation of this song as like a little shadow boxer. Um, I I think I took a little more leeway in my personal interpretation of like what that phrase meant. But over time, I think the big change for me has been like thinking of the different ways you can possibly take this song. And that's been really interesting. And like talking to you, talking to Emily on that episode, just talking to other fans about it has been really interesting and, and just hearing everyone's perspective on that. Yeah, it's so fun. Yeah. Up next, Actual Pain. This was episode 65 with Darina Samoylenko. My interpretation of this was that the narrator feels betrayed by someone and and who's been letting them down and maybe that's mental illness or addiction or whatever it is. But yeah, this person's like causing them pain and that's that's super real. Um two questions I want to ponder and we don't have to come to an answer, but number one, do you think this song is like in your personal interpretation, do you feel this song is specifically about addiction? And number two, why did they choose to lead off the album release cycle with this song? Um, I think that you could definitely interpret this song as being about addiction, Mm -hmm. but I don't think that it's specific enough to like have that be the only thing it can be about. Sure. Okay. Um, Because that definitely wasn't on my mind when I was listening to it. Yeah. Because I I interpreted it personally, like a personal message from the universe because I was in actual pain. Sure. As, as did I, frankly, um, I, I think, yeah, I think I, I feel pretty similar to, similarly to you that it could be about addiction, but it's not in the lyrics. It's not specifically that per se. Yeah. And, and like I said, I'm very literally minded. So if there's room for interpretation and room for metaphor and room for my own um, experience of it or bringing my own experience into the song, mm-hmm. then I'm going to do that. Because unless it's in the lyrics, like your, your addiction is hurting me. Like, then right, the song right, right, right specifically about that to me yeah 
And what about why do you think they chose to lead off the album release cycle with this song? That's a great question. I have no idea what kind of choices go into making, like picking your first single mm-hmm. to like put out into the world. Um, I think whereas, you know, self-help was like super young and the hopeless good Charlotte, this actual pain has more of like the growth and the depth that I was mm-hmm. talking about um, that kind of categorizes this whole entire album. So I think that it, but it doesn't, it's not missing out on like the, the, the pop punk, you know what I'm mm-hmm, talking about? Mm-hmm. So like, it's still alternative pop punk neutrality, yeah. but it has the growth and depth. And um, just personally, like, I, I'm so glad that that was the single because that was the song I needed off this record. Like at that time. Yeah, I get that. I get that. I, uh, yeah, I, I feel like even though it does not, is not lyrically super direct, I feel like it could be, have been written about addiction or with that in mind. Um, And so to me, like, okay, I I could see why just thematically it makes sense as a first song. And it it is like, it's got a kind of catchy hook. So just a good single in general. That's true. And, and, you know, the title of the record, Generation Rx, I mean, like, obviously we're talking about, like, the state of health yeah, in, in America, but in the world, but in America, that's where we live. And, like, the opioid crisis is always what I thought of yeah. with the title of Generation Rx. I mean, yeah, and that's, that's clear. And yeah. Th- yeah. And so through, so through that, like, the whole record could be interpreted through yeah. to be about addiction specifically. Yeah. Um, so this song got brought up in interviews. I mean, all the time, you know, it was the first one released and, you know, it's been saying clear kind of tie into sort of the big themes of the album. Um, in terms of reviews, when the horn blows again, lots of great things to say about this song. Music speaks, uh, compared it to synth driven pop rock songs like dance floor anthem and misery. And earlier, guitar-infused and more sincere tracks like Hold On and We Believe, which, what a fun comparison. I love it. Like, I'm all about that. Yeah, I can be down with that. Yeah. That's kind of like the, that's that's the best of the Good Charlotte discography smooshed yeah. together. Right. Um, punk News, once again, also felt this was cliche. Um, Cryptic Rock and A Call the One appreciated their empathy and honesty. And a lot of the fans commenting on YouTube related to what they were expressing here. Um, Although a lot of people also said they loved the live video more than the original video. I saw that a couple of times. People on Reddit were not really into it, but that's Reddit. So like they don't like anything. Um, And I guess, yeah, we'll go through for this song. What was your thoughts on it when it first came out compared to now? How like has that changed for you? Um, it's still as real for me now as it was when it came out. Yeah. Because I, like, like, throughout my life, the Charlotte has put out records in times when I've really needed them. And so Mm -hmm. that emotional connection only gets stronger over time. Yes. um, Because I feel that same, like, support and witness and love from the universe every time I listen to that song. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I feel the same. Every time I listen to Actual Pain, I'm like universe you got my back 
sent me a new Gutierrez song right when I needed it. I love Um, it. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I I definitely feel a very personal tie to this song as well in terms of like where I was when it came out. And I think the big thing for me over time has been like being able to experience it for the song, experience the song for itself and not just for what I felt and was experiencing when it came out. Um, Up next prayers. That was episode 49 with Nina McLaren. Uh, you know, I, I think they're kind of talking about how thoughts and prayers don't really do anything, don't really mean much. And, you know, the first verse certainly hints that, you know, when you find that special someone that that kind of leads you to like deeper conversations and probably gets you thinking about a whole lot. Um, this also came up in a lot of interviews. They talked about it on NPR. Benji talked about it with a website called Face Culture. Um, reviews were mixed. Sound Digest really liked the focus on the lyrics. Wall of Sound said it was the best single so far. Metal Breakdown said it was the most mainstream of the singles. Um, Punk News and Sputnik Music were not fans, but again, they're not really fans of anything. Bucket List Music Reviews gave the album 2 out of 10, but said this was the best track. They gave it a 2 out of 10? The album, yeah. Oh, take your trash out. Yeah. Um... I will give, well, I'll give you this question real quick, and then we can talk about our, our comparisons over time. But do you think this song indicates like a crisis of faith or crisis of religion? Because this was something that we discussed on the podcast when I did it with Nina and like my thoughts on it are just like constantly changing. Um, That's interesting. I tend to like, shy away from anything that is specifically talking about God or prayers. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't really like dig deep into that idea on this. Mm -hmm. Um, While it does, um, you know, talk about how our prayers aren't mattering that much. um, It's still like the way that the song sounds and the way that he sings it and the way that he sings the word prayers yeah. Still feels kind of prayerful to me. Okay. Like we're still going to continue to put this energy out, even though right this minute, it's not feeling like there's a lot of effect. Okay. Okay. I like that. Um, wow. I liked it a lot. Uh, and I guess, yeah, our last question on this is, is how did you feel about this song when it came out and how do you feel about it now? Um, this was, um, my least favorite song on the record when it came out, Okay. but I, I said, I, um, I grew up Catholic and so I have a lot of conflicting, I'm no longer participating in religion of any kind. Mm-hmm. And so anything that's like talking about prayers and God, I have to like, really, I'm not super into, into engaging with that. Um, but I have a really amazing story for prayers that changed my feelings on the song. And so this must have been late 2018 or early 2019, but um, your Charlotte came to Denver to film a video spot to play in the middle of a football game, mm, the Broncos football game. And so they posted on Instagram, like, Hey, if you want to come be in the crowd for this good Charlotte taping, just come get in line at this time. And I was like, Oh yes. Showing up for that. 
So I got all dressed up in my Good Charlotte show outfit, which is um, a shirt that I made that is backless. So that right, right. Yeah. And has also cannibalized all of the like insignias and art from like my Good Charlotte t-shirts through time that Amazing. got lost Amazing. to the washing machine. Um, and so, yeah, it's just like this patchwork halter top backless shirt yeah. that I made. Uh. Um, so I got all dolled up to go to the show and wait in line. And so they were singing prayers for this video spot. So basically gotcha. I was in the crowd and they were singing like a, a shortened version of the song. And for, I don't know how many, how many times he played it, 10 or 20 times they came out. And so they would go backstage and then they would come out and we would all scream and throw our hands up and lose our shit. And then mm-hmm. they would sing. And then, you know, we would sing at the right, we would scream at the right parts. They got us really trained on where to scream. Um, and the guys were so sweet. I'm, you've talked to them, right? They're yeah. just lovely humans. Oh, yeah. And so in between when, like, they were adjusting cameras or adjusting lights or whatever, they were just, like, shooting the shit with us, being really sweet. Like, thank you guys for being here. This is really fun. Um, and so I just listened to, you know, I listened to that 90 second cut of prayers like 20 times while I'm sitting there, they're singing to me. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. You know that everybody in the room was like super stoked to be there because Mm -hmm. you don't show up and wait in line for two hours to go stand in a room to listen to the same song over and over. If you're not really into Good Charlotte, or at least I wouldn't do that if I wasn't really into Good Charlotte. Um, and so now every time I hear prayers, I think of that event sure. and I am just filled with warm, warm joy. And um, after that ended, I got to talk to Paul and Dean out in the back and I have a great picture of them like flanking me and Billy was there. So that was like the fourth or fifth time I got to meet them. Um, and so I really love prayers now because I have that really unique um, excellent good Charlotte moment to go along with it. And it was actually funny. I'm not a football person at all. If football stopped existing in the planet, I wouldn't notice. And so, um, I had a former roommate who we're still tight with and I was like, Hey, are you watching this football game tonight? Can I come <laughs> over and watch it? And she was like, do you have a fever? Like, are you okay? <laughs> Why are you asking me about a football game? And it was because I wanted to watch the spot. Right, right, but, right. And it ended up being like, like barely 30 seconds. Right. And um, I could actually see myself in the film. I found my hand and I found my face. So that was pretty fun. Great. Um, Amazing. I love that. Well, on to Cold Song. This was episode 16 with Sam Warren. Um, Cold Song was the original title of the album, actually. And I guess my first question is like, I don't know, what do you think of that? Having heard the album, do you think Cold Song would have worked as a title? Oh, I think it most definitely would have worked as a title. I think that were the title of the album to be Cold Song, then the lens of addiction would be kind of harder to look through. I was like just thinking that, yeah. It would have broadened up the interpretation of the whole album like mm-hmm, significantly. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you really were trying to hit that addiction point home, I see why they chose Generation RX instead. Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> and I would imagine that was exactly why they chose it, you know, to be a yeah. little specific there. Um, yeah, I mean, this song is kind of a rare moment of hope on this album. Just a reminder that you're not alone, whatever you're going through. And it seems really related to a lot of good Charlotte's kind of big themes of hope. 
um, when I interviewed Billy for Substream, I uh, talked to him about just, you know, how they stay positive when they're writing about tough times. And he basically talked about how, like, when they were in any dark places, he said music was definitely the thing we turned to. You put your headphones on and put your favorite record on and instantly you're somewhere else and you're not in that moment. Um, yeah. Joel told this French site called Rock Art Fashion that it was one of their most special songs on the album for him. And there were not really a lot of negative reviews of this song, which was pretty cool. The reception was, in terms of the reviews that mentioned it, the reception was pretty positive. Um, so I guess my question for you, Caitlin, is thinking about this song i mean when it came out versus now how how do you feel about it how have your thoughts on it changed over time uh yeah i um, i don't remember any specific thoughts i had on it when it first came out but when i was listening to it preparing to talk to you yes it if so the you know the main the main line in the song that we want you to know that you're not alone everything yes. and everything you are that's so good, Charlotte. Like, there's a song on every record that's like, hey, mm-hmm. kids, we see you. You're good. We're yeah. gonna, everything's going to be okay. We're here for you. We see you. It's going to be okay. Yep. yep. And, like how, many, like, how many people have held on because of hold on? Like, exactly, yeah. It's so significant. And particularly when, you know, I already have such an emotional attachment to good Charlotte. So when I hear Joel's voice tell me that I'm not alone and it's going to be okay, like, I believe him mm-hmm, because he's mm-hmm. been telling me that for 20 years and he's been right. Yeah. And so uh, I love this song so much because I know that I'm not the only good Charlotte fan that's hearing this and like believing him. Yeah. Tell us these words. Yeah. I I think for me, the big evolution has just been like, really appreciating this in context of other you know songs of hope and and the the point of view and the perspective that i think this one has especially like in relation to the rest of this album yeah it is it is a brighter spot in the the dark and gritty of this album um and i like that it's in the middle because you kind of need that after you've gone through these other exactly exactly Um, just like you need your friends to be like hey you're not alone. I'm going to sit right next to you. Exactly. Everything you are and everything you want is okay. Yep. Uh, Exactly. Well, on to Leech featuring Sam Carter of Architects. This was episode 57 with Tiffany Cobb. Um, I mean, if you follow Good Charlotte, any of the members on social media, I'm sure you have just seen their just love and respect for architects over the years. And, and it really just seems like they were honored to have Sam on this track. And that Sam being like a lifelong Good Charlotte fan was like, I'm you know more than delighted to be on this as well. Uh, my, my initial question for you is, if it had to be someone else featuring on this, who do you think would have done a good job doing the feature on this song? I think it's the only feature on the album. I think so too. I I have no idea how to answer that question because I, I am not tapped in to like the broad experience of music, like as it currently exists in the world. I like my like specific artists that I've been listening to 
for 20 years and I very rarely find like a new person that I like. So I couldn't even name anybody that I could think of. Okay. <laughs> okay. Be good with good Charlotte. It's just not in my knowledge base. Okay. I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't have anyone else super in mind for this. Um, but I don't know. I think Sam is good. I was just curious if you had any, any other thoughts on it. Yeah. Um, I, like, I like what he, I like him in the song. I think it sounds good. Yeah. But I haven't really listened to the architects. Fair. So I don't fair. know him otherwise. Um, yeah, totally fair. Uh, I think this song to me, it's about essentially escaping a difficult upbringing, but not being able to fully erase that because uh, that can leave its mark. Certainly Tiffany's thought was that this thought, this song is about poverty, you know, specifically and, and how growing, growing up, you know, uh, on the pot in poverty can really affect you. And I was curious what you thought of their interpretation. That's really interesting. Um, I don't remember listening to that specific part. I would have to like sit and really listen to the song and listen to the words again mm-hmm. to answer that all the way. Yeah. Um, my, I had a, a much less significant emotional reaction to this song okay. compared to pretty much everything else on the record. Okay. Um, like I said, it gave me really strong Lincoln Park vibes. And so every time I listen to it, all I think about is Lincoln Park and Chester Bennington. Well, so I'm not sure I was, like listening super hard to the lyrics and and you're not the only one i mean in terms of reviews punktastic said that this would fit perfectly on lincoln park's last album um critics were split on the feature wyatt and Lindsay react that was a youtube channel we watched they wished it was longer rock sins said the feature was memorable and distorted sound mag said it was a frankly bizarre cameo um there were a lot of comments from architects fans and i'm just curious if they checked out the rest of the album and what they thought yeah um here is my question for you now caitlin i mean what were your thoughts on this song when the album came out and how does that compare to what you think and what you feel about it now um, yeah, when the, my thoughts are pretty much the same. When the album came out, um, like I said, I didn't have a super soft, strong, like emotional reaction to it. Sure, sure, sure. It just, you know, it reminds me of Lincoln Park, which is, you know, a phase I went through in high school. Sure. Pretty much. Definitely would not categorize, categorize myself as a diehard, uh, Lincoln Park fan. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's fine. It's kind of where I'm at on that one. It's fine. Sure. I, I think I've gotten a bigger appreciation for the song over time. And I, you know, I, I definitely was very fortunate growing up, but like hearing Tiffany's interpretation, I feel like helped me see the song through a new lens for sure, which I. Yeah. I'd like to listen to it again, thinking about that poverty question. Yes. Um, yeah. That would yeah. be an interesting way to experience the song. Yes, I definitely recommend that. Um, all right, up next, Better Demons. That was episode 32 with Loriana Lasavita. This one, to me, it was about finding a sort of lesser evil to cope with your pain. Uh, Loriana and I discussed on this episode the idea that trauma of any sort can lead to people having all sorts of unhealthy coping mechanisms. And there are quotes at the beginning uh, from a documentary 
about child abuse. And so to me, those having those quotes point to a, a history of abuse being discussed in this song, whether that's by, you know, the narrator of the song or someone else that that's, you know, a pretty clear reference. Um, but one question that I have, and this was sort of an unanswered question I had from the episode was like, there's a part in the bridge where you hear them say one out of every four Americans. And I can't really, I still have not really figured out how that sentence ends. And I was curious if you had a thought on how that sentence ends. Yeah, when I listen to that song, the sentence is one out of every four Americans like has suffered abuse. Like that's okay. It's pre- okay. pretty straightforward. Okay. Um, particularly when you get to the end and there's that really devastatingly sad conversation with the little boy and his nightmare. nightmare or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. This song, this song hurts my heart every time I listen mm-hmm. to it. It's so sad, mm-hmm. but it's so pretty. Yeah. Like the, the way that the music is constructed, it, I, I would describe as pretty. Um, and so, yeah, it seems pretty straightforward that it's about yeah. abuse. Yeah. Um, it, it's, you know, if you listen to just the lyrics, I feel like you can take other interpretations. But I mean, the the quotations from that documentary are are pretty straightforward. I think that it's about abuse. And I think you could take the interpretation that, OK, abuse, child abuse is a trauma that can lead to people having unhealthy coping mechanisms. You know, these sort of better demons like, you know, alcohol, for example, to sort of escape that pain that you can't erase. Yeah, and it makes me think of the phrase that trauma is actually the gateway drug to mm, addiction. Okay, okay. And so, you know, look, you know, we've discussed that for the whole entire record. Yeah, That it's about addiction and, and specifically pointing out, like, the opioid crisis. And trauma is the true gateway drug to yes. all of those things because you're seeking some better demons to Absolutely. soothe. Absolutely. Um, and I guess, yeah, once ago, once again, not really any negative reviews uh, of this song. Uh, the soundboard reviews, I remember they had like a really detailed criticism, but I felt like it was fair. It wasn't like unnecessarily mean. Um, Sound Sphere, Call the One, When the Horn Blows, Roxins, they all all dug the song. Um, I, 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 I think, yeah, I mean, I think the reception was pretty good for this one. And I think people respected, you know, what it took to express everything they expressed in this song. Um, It's very moving. It would be really hard to not have an emotional reaction to this song. Absolutely. That, that lends to decent reviews. If everybody's having an emotional reaction to it. Absolutely. Uh, And the last question on this song is how did you feel about this song when the album came out and how do you feel about it now? I definitely liked it when the album came out and I like it more now. Yeah. The more that I listen to it. Um, And actually the more that I've listened to your podcast, I've realized kind of like the breadth of skill that Good Child has. Cause like I said, my music interests are very narrow. Mm -hmm. And so I don't experience a whole lot of new and different things because I like what I like. Right. But, um, the thing about Good Charlotte is they're they're very unboxed in 
by their genre or their era. Yes. Um, and Better Demons kind of squishes in that a little bit for me. Like it's not it's not pop punky, obviously, but it's definitely Good Charlotte, and it's moving and it's heartbreaking. Um, and yeah, I guess that's how I feel about it. It's moving yeah. and it's heartbreaking. Absolutely agree. Um, I think for me, the big sort of change has been just really seeing sort of the, the heartbreaking and, and specific uh, interpretations of this song more and more. Totally. Uh, and now onto the last song of the album, California, The Way I Say I Love You with Alyssa Gardner. That was episode 24. I mean, this is kind of a lullaby in a sense, you know, he's Joel is singing oh, to perfect. Yeah. He's singing some comfort to his kids, telling them that, you know, go out and take on the world, but California will always be here for you. It's always going to be your home, no matter how far you go. Um, and he told rock art fashion that it was one of the two most important songs on the album to him. Um, soundboard reviews gave a pretty thorough review but they loved this song adobe really liked the hope uh exclaim felt it was out of place which you know that that's a whole conversation for another day i feel like but like i don't know how do you structure an album is it supposed to be one note like no yeah i mean no i agree with you i agree with you um uh, here, here is my question for you. Then, like, how has your thoughts on the song changed uh, since it has come out? I mean, I, I, you know, the song is about his kids, and you, since this come came out, you now have children. I know. Yeah, I think I think this is a perfect song to end the album off on yeah. because we do need a little more up and a little more warmth and a little bit more love after we just went through all of those songs. Yes. That are quite dark mm-hmm. and traumatic and heartbreaking and speaking to our own heartbreak. Um, if I, you know, I just listened to the record again through today beginning to end. And it just felt so good to end on that song because it was very much like a loving goodbye where we're going to see you again. You know, it wasn't a final thing. I don't think they're done making music. Like it, it's, it was very much a loving goodbye. And it feels so good to listen to that because I know that Charlotte is going to make more music again for me in the future. Mm -hmm. And I also have all the music they've already made to be with me right now. Yes. Um, and uh, I really enjoyed the, that it's called California because I, uh, because I love you or whatever the parentheses is, but it also has greetings from California vibes on mm, it. Okay. Okay. Um, and it really reminded me of that project when yeah. I listened to it. Yeah. Okay. That's a good point. Okay. Um. Yeah, I, I think I never really thought about that uh, Madden Brothers kind of connection, but I like that. As we kind of wrap up this album, I mean, one question that's on my mind is like, just thinking about how this fits into their discography. Like, is this after Youth Authority, like, is this the type of album you thought they would release? Um, so I have a, a complex answer for that. So in my relationship with Good Charlotte, for basically from Good Morning Revival 
until Generation RX, like all the, well, not for Youth Authority. So for, for Good Morning Revival in cardiology, I had a really hard time the first time I listened through those albums Mm -hmm. because they were so different from what I was expecting. Um, I actually remember crying really hard when Keep Your Hands Off My Girl came off because I was like, is this from Charlotte? This is the music they're making right now? Like, what even is this? And I love that song now. I totally get down on it. Um, And so I learned to just not have expectations for what a good Charlotte record was going to be and just know that whatever it was going to be, I was going to like it. Yeah. So just go enjoy it. And so once I let go of like the expectation of what I thought new music was going to be, I was able to enjoy it much quicker. Yeah. And so like youth authority, I love youth authority so much. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's definitely like a grown up version of young and the hopeless sure. in my heart. But Generation RX is is unto itself, and it's even more developed mm-hmm. and mature than anything that has come before it. And so I really appreciate it for that. Definitely. Yeah, I think I, I like what you said about grown-up version of Youth Authority being the grown-up version of Young and the Hopeless. Um, I feel like I just truly had no idea what to expect until they started doing that like skull imagery i was kind of like okay you're doing skulls like this is going to be dark this is going to be dark um and as we talk about imagery i mean i want to touch on you know there were four music videos for this album actual pain shadow boxer prayers and self-help and they were all directed by jake stark and prayers i feel like is a little different but actual pain shadow boxer and self-help Certainly, I mean, have like sort of a cohesive aesthetic. Uh, and I, 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 I guess you could suggest maybe there's some relation in terms of storyline, especially with actual pain and shadow boxer. Maybe you could argue that. I don't know. Do you feel like a connection between the videos? Um, I definitely see the aesthetic connection. Yes. And uh, while I was like rewatching through all of those, uh, I definitely picked up on that and mm-hmm. I really enjoyed them just playing their instruments in all of these different environments. Yeah. And yeah. in um, actual pain, um, it kind of reminded me of motivation proclamation, the way that they were like playing in the hallways and stuff. Yes. Yeah. And so that was a nice throwback. Um, but I do feel like those, all of those videos have very distinct stories and you would be stretching okay. a little bit trying to connect them yeah yeah and I, I guess that's fair. kind of like if the little boy slash man from actual pain had appeared in the shadow boxer video like looking in the mirror I might buy that tie-in a little bit more but as it stands they feel very distinct to me yeah that's fair I think I was like trying to pull and be like okay they've got like a similar aesthetic same director like is there a theme here but outside of the visuals maybe maybe not really yeah, I think I think the theme is Good Charlotte. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and I, I do love that they were all directed by the same guy, and like they they are a cohesive set of videos for this record, and I it's a it's aesthetically pleasing to me that it's like consistent. Absolutely. 
Caitlin, this has been amazing. As we wrap so up, fun. as we wrap up, I mean, I, I want to know, do you have any memories about this album that you want to share that you haven't gotten to share yet? I know you've told a couple stories. Um, not about this album per- specifically. It's just, I wish that I could convey the feeling I get in my body when I listen to good Charlotte music. Sure. It's the most like happy centered embodied place for me and even when it's sad and devastating or when it's up and really hyper like it's all different variations of a really really good feeling yeah and um it just makes me so happy that Gutierrez like like they made it they did it like they're in the place in their career that they can go, you know, fuck off for five years and then come back and we're all still ready to rage. Yeah. Like, let's get after it. And um, I'm sure that I, as long as Petrella is putting out music, I'm going to be excited to hear their music. As long as they're touring, I'm going to show up to their shows. And as long as people want to talk to Good Charlotte, talk about Good Charlotte, I'm going to be able to talk about Good Charlotte. Amazing. Um, so... Yeah, I guess I just have memories of like driving around listening to it in my car because that's yeah. when I listen to music. Amazing. Well, Caitlin, what has Good Charlotte, I mean, you've answered this a little bit, but what has Good Charlotte meant to you over the years and how has that changed? Uh, yeah, Good Charlotte is, um, for me, it's basically like a communication tool between the universe and I. Mm-hmm. Because as I have mentioned, any time that I have been in deep struggle or deep tragedy or sadness in my life, Charlotte has put out new music and they have had songs that specifically speak to what I'm exactly going through mm-hmm. at that point in time. Like my favorite Charlotte song is The River. Mm-hmm. And I was actually like estranged from my parents considering like going back home at the time that that song came out and like my mother is religious and my father is not and so that whole line right there about the praying mother and the worried father like it is so specific to me that it's uncanny um and that's actually why cardiology is kind of my least favorite good charlotte album because i was kind of like nothing was really going on in my life when that Mm -hmm. record came out and i just kind of enjoyed it as music it didn't have the same like right emotional entanglement that i have with all of these other records um and so whenever i need comfort or to feel happy or to be connected with myself and what I love I listen to good Charlotte yeah it brings me back to the earth it brings me back into my body it brings me back into myself um and so I am eternally grateful for that amazing Uh, Caitlin do you have any last words about good Charlotte about generation rx or about yourself um I think that Uh, I just would like to tell everybody that it's really okay to have an angsty teenage punk rock soul and just let that live inside you, regardless of how you're functioning in your, in your adult life. And 
Um, any of those people that you said that have on any episode ever that have negative critiques of Good Charlotte, all I ever think is like, you know, you just hate fun. Like you just yeah. don't like life. Yeah. Like you just are choosing to be contrary for the sake of it right now. And I know that's my very biased opinion. Yeah. That's fair, fair take though. Caitlin, this has been awesome. So I do a Generation GC and Friends Spotify playlist where typically what I do is add the song discussed, but all of the songs from this album are already on there. So what I do want to do is ask you for a song recommendation. So just anything you're enjoying lately that is not Good Charlotte. Okay. The song that I've been listening to on repeat the last couple of days is, hold on, I'm opening my Spotify. Okay. It's called Two Heads by Coleman Hell. Okay. It's a little more folky, folky rock. Perfect. It's got like a banjo in there. Perfect. And whatever it is that they do in that song, I'm all about it. Amazing. I can't wait to check it out. I've had so many great recommendations through this. Caitlin, as we wrap up, I mean, something else I like to ask my guests is for a charity or nonprofit organization that you believe in that we can encourage listeners to support. Um, and what would you like to encourage people to donate to? I was thinking about this earlier today and I don't have any organizations off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. I just try to shop locally as often as I can. Like that's where if I have the choice to buy something local and small business, I try to do that even Mm -hmm. if it's more expensive and even if it's mildly more inconvenient, and so if, if that's a thing that you can do even occasionally, that's what I would encourage people to do. Amazing. I think that's a great reminder. It's certainly something I can work on if we're being honest. Um, but I think that's a great I reminder. I still shop at Amazon. Let's yeah. Let's not, not get overkill. But if I do make the effort to try to find yeah. local businesses to spend my money. Amazing. Well, Caitlin, uh, for our listeners, I mean, do you want to share like your socials that uh, people can check out and see what you're up to? Sure. I'm not, I'm not a super active um, poster on social media, but you can find me on Instagram at, at Savage Images. This, my name is Caitlin Savage. Amazing. And then that's, that's pretty much the only place that I post or that you can find me is on Instagram. Amazing. Caitlin, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Caitlin, for coming on the show. I loved hearing your thoughts and your perspective on Generation RX. And now it's time to hear from Adam Grundy. So, Adam, when did you first hear Good Charlotte and what were your first thoughts on them? I guess the first time I heard Good Charlotte, I was uh, almost by accident. Um, a lot of my friends in high school, I went to Sherwood High School just outside of uh, D.C., which is in Albany, Maryland. And a lot of my friends started talking about this you know, new up-and-coming band that was from Maryland um, and called Good Charlotte. And I, I kind of backed into it by accident because they were having a concert at the Tower Records in Rockville, Maryland. And I was there with my younger brother at the time. And we, we didn't even know there was going to be a concert there that day. We just oh, happened wow. to be like music shopping. And uh, yeah, all of a sudden they're like posters everywhere for good Charlotte. And yeah, we definitely stayed for the concert and got to meet them afterwards. So that, that was my first real taste of good Charlotte. Wow. So was that like the, with the self-titled or it was, yep. From their very first, you know, record that came out for on a major label. So it was a wow. really cool experience. And then beyond that, you know, just going to the HF Festival every year. Uh, th- that was that was I'm a so big, jealous. 
because <laughs> I still have some of the programs around here at some point. Um, maybe I'll show it to you later. Um, but uh, yeah, just getting to, getting to know them through the HF Festival. They got a lot of promotion through that. And they were always on the tip of everyone's tongue, it seemed like, around this area. So cool. Well, you answered my next question, which is, have you ever seen Good Charlotte live? Yes, several times. And the most recent time, I think, was uh, probably during their last tour when they came through the 930 Club. So nice. Um, so I've seen them a couple times there. So does it still feel like a hometown show seeing them in D.C.? It does. I mean, a lot of a lot has been written about like how they kind of move back to like L.A. and yeah. uh, things like that. But I think their heart still is into Maryland. Um, every time they come back to D.C., they say it's great, glad, ever so glad to be home. Um, they make it feel like a hometown show because they point out the different people in the crowd they remember from like past tours wow. and stuff like that. So um, I, it, it doesn't feel inauthentic at all. It definitely comes from a good place from them. And uh, just seeing their reaction to even the review that I wrote, they took the time to, you know, quote, tweet me about thanking me for their for my honest feedback on their record, which was something we don't see a lot of in the music yeah. scene. So. We'll, we'll talk more in detail about your review. Uh, that's kind of the crux of our conversation today. Um, but yeah, I really love that they still feel that tie to DC. I, I'm certainly hoping that the next time they tour, I can make the trip. I mean, it's, it's like two hours or so from Philly, so it won't be too bad. Yeah, um, it shouldn't be too bad. Well, I want to know, Adam, I would love to know a little bit about your background in music writing and how did you get started writing for a chorus? Sure. So um, kind of back in the early days of like when I went to St. Mary's College, I got into the newspaper there, um, I basically just thought about, you know, uh, you know, I've seen other reviews on like, you know, music magazines, like alternative press and like even Rolling Stone and stuff like that. And I felt like I always had like a little bit of like behind the scenes of going to all these concerts, a little bit of insight about things that I could bring into our music review. So I was sure. like, hey, I could do it. Why not? So I started writing for my uh, local newspaper for the St. Mary's College, got a lot of those published. And then um, pretty much just did it as a hobby for a while. Um, I was following, you know, Absolute Punk and then you know, that became Chorus.fm later on from Jason Tate, um, his brain trust of that. And then uh, I just basically kind of reached out to him about, about three and a half years ago. Maybe it's about four years now um, to see if he was looking for writers. And I, he asked if I had any like background in writing music reviews. I said, yeah, a couple of things with Amazon. Best Buy and other things that I've kind of put into like the queue kind of thing. That's, and I get, that's how every, a lot of people get their start, you know, like, yeah, yeah exactly. And, and uh, when I actually shared my first review with, with him, that was for a band called the neighborhood, um, mm. a band that we both liked. And I gave like a, a pretty much, I, I spent so much time, like even self-editing that one because I want to make sure it was perfect to get like the pitch to be able to yeah. write for chorus. So um, but yeah, I mean, after that, I, I've, I've written, I think it's almost like 400 pieces now. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So very, very productive. <laughs> That's incredible. Well, what is, you know, we're, we're going to say with the exclusion of your Generation RX review and your Good Charlotte self-titled 20 year <laughs> review, we're going to exclude those. What is your favorite piece you've written for chorus? I mean, my favorite band is My Chemical Romance. I could talk okay. about them for, for wait, for, wait, forever. wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. Oh man, you're so prepared. <laughs> you're <wearing laughs> Listeners, My Chem, My I uh, yeah, Adam and I are on video, and I didn't know that My Chem was his number one favorite band, and I <laughs> happened to put on a My Chem shirt like 30 minutes before this call. 
Yeah, so I think the only thing I haven't written about is about the conventional weapon set. So mm, maybe okay. when it comes up on a 10-year or 15-year, whatever it may be, that'd be my last retrospective for that. And then yeah. possibly the very first album, you know, Bullets, you know. That, maybe that's the only one I haven't written about either, so. I, I, I don't want to get too sidetracked on this, but maybe if their reunion tour ever happens, maybe you'll get to write a live review. That would Although, be cool, too. I don't know. It's gotten pushed back twice, so we'll yeah. see. Yeah, uh, and I think the nearest <laughs> state to me was like somewhere in Philadelphia or something mm, like that. Okay. I think oh, there's no like DC. <laughs> no, there isn't. Unfortunately, I yeah, bought but... tickets. I bought tickets to the New Jersey show when I was still living in New Jersey, and mm-hmm. at that point had no inclination that I would move to Philadelphia. <laughs> so I don't know. We'll we'll see how things are looking. If I want to drive up there or try to get a ticket for Philly come yeah, next year. But as far as like the other pieces that I've really enjoyed, any any interviews that I've done, I've always like looked back at those fondly because you kind of get to know the person, kind of like how we're just yes. chatting now. Um, a lot of those recently have been done up by Zoom, as you can imagine, during the pandemic. But even I- going. To I like was, before shows, I'm um, sorry to interrupt you. Before shows, like of like getting to meet the, the performers before they hit the stage, that's pretty cool too. So yeah, you know, I was gonna say like pre-COVID, if the artist wasn't av- either wasn't available at the show, or if it was like you know we're trying to get an interview done uh, just a month before the record comes out, kind of mm-hmm. thing. I was doing a lot of interviews uh, just over the phone, and that's mm-hmm. fine. But I feel like having the video just makes it so much easier to connect. And I really love that that's like the standard now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, you kind of get that, those facial expressions, you don't have to feel like you have to put in like a lot of those, like, yeah, I get that kind of thing. Like you would be over the phone where you can't see their facial expressions about how they're reacting to things. Um, But yeah, Zoom Zoom is definitely my preference whenever in-person is not available. So Sure. Well, Adam, let's get into the, the the real conversation here. I want to talk about your chorus review for Generation RX, which uh, was posted a couple of days after the album came out in September 2018. And before we you know dive into the review itself, and I have some questions on some of your, your takes, sure. were you assigned to review this one or did you choose to do it? I actually chose to do this one uh, because okay. I, I, this is a band that I've cared about pretty much since I started listening to music back in, you know, steadily since like the early 90s or late 90s, I should say. Um, uh, one of the first CDs I ever bought was, you know, by them. So, um, so getting that type of recognition and also giving back to the community was important for me to kind of keep their name out there because they're, they're, like I said, they're a very authentic band to me. Yeah, they're very authentic. And I... Well, I'll save I'll save what I want to say right now. I'll save that for uh, a little later in this conversation. Sure, um, sure. But I want to I want to go through your review. So the first take that uh, I'm going to kind of bring up is I wrote self help in my notes, but I actually meant the Generation RX intro, mm-hmm. which you called yep. a risky endeavor. Uh, what What makes you say it was so risky? I think just to open up a nine track album with an interlude was the main thing I was kind of alluding to there. Okay. Um, just the fact that it was like a two minute in- interlude and then you got eight more tracks and it's like, oh, we kind of, we maybe could have like made a stronger statement going forward. But mm-hmm. I think looking back now, it does make sense for that kind of cohesiveness of like what that, the kind of like the atmospheric feel they were going for on that record. So um, yeah. they've always been very forward thinking with like some of the things they've done 
um like even like you know things that were considered flops like good morning revival or or good morning is that what it's called good morning revival yeah 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 um so that one was kind of like almost forward thinking too because they were incorporating like hip-hop into like pop punk and now you see like guys like machine gun kelly trying to do that kind of thing too machine gun kelly loves loves good charlotte um and I'll, I'll interject for a second. I have two things to say in response. Number one, uh, the punk rock NBA just did an awesome video about good Charlotte. And nice. he, uh, did you see that? I did not No, I have to check it, it out. It was so good. And I was so pleased that like, obviously I consider myself a bit of a good Charlotte expert and have a lot of <laughs> takes on them. Um, and he said basically everything I would have said it was just all about like the genius of good Charlotte. And he said that, you know, their whole thing of incorporating like hip hop and streetwear and fashion into punk rock and pop punk was so ahead of its time. And like definitely all of not just MGK, but like all of SoundCloud rap and emo rap that would not have happened like without them and without their influence. That's a good point. I mean, even like taking it like you're talking about like the branding that they've done, like with their clothing labels yeah. and stuff like that. That was really ahead of the time where people were not really thinking about that. And then bands like Fall Out Boy were like saw an opportunity of like to brand themselves too and then put in their own, you know, kind of thing too. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I want to ask in general, I mean, Good Charlotte has done a lot of intro tracks and interludes. The self-title did not have any, um, but Young and the Hopeless had a new beginning. Mm-hmm. Chronicles had Once Upon a Time, The Battle of Life and Death. Good Morning Revival had the Good Morning Revival intro or overture. Uh, Cardiology had both an introduction and an yep. over and an interlude and yep. a title track at the end. Uh, mm-hmm. Youth Authority had the Stick Your Guns interlude. So except for the self-titled, they, they've had like either an interlude or an intro on every yeah, album. That's a good do point. You, do you, how do you feel about just kind of the use of intros and interludes in general? I mean, honestly, when I was first listening to music, like steadily from like start to finish on albums, almost like I, after the first couple of interludes, after I heard it, I, I would be almost tempted to skip it. But now that I've kind of mm-hmm. gotten the vinyl and, you know, uh, just the concept of an album altogether, I want to start from, go from start to finish on those. So uh, my, my feeling has changed a lot on that. And, and the fact that you brought up that they have done so many interludes, it kind of does bring it back to my attention that they have been doing it for quite some time. So it does yeah. maybe makes more sense than, than I would have thought initially. Wow. I love that. I love hearing that. Uh, growth and that you know kind of change in opinion yeah. over time yeah. um i get what you said though it's a pretty short album overall yeah. i listened to it like yeah, twice this morning and i was like oh right. it's, I just got it's this more like twice. the brevity of like you know the album you want it to be longer you, yes. it was a good vibe that they were putting out there so definitely um the next thing i wanted to ask about is prayers which you mm-hmm. said stuck out as the most powerful song on the album which i do not disagree with that um but I am just curious, like, what makes you say that? Because I think there's a lot of songs on this album that are pretty intense. Sure. I think this is one of the first ones that I heard from, like, the advance that I got from the record. So um, sure. it was one of the things that I reached out to the label um, just to get, like, a flavor for what was coming out so I wouldn't be caught by surprise on day one. Um, but that one in particular was a lyrical material that you're know, talking about prayers about, you know, how they're getting all these politicians to be to say thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers every time there's a, a school shooting or anything else terrible going on in the world um, and no action going behind it. So I think the fact that they took that that message and kind of twisted it a little bit um, to kind of bring it to the forefront was very powerful on their on their behalf. 
Yeah. It, it's, you know, I think the album has overall, it does have a, a sort of socially conscious theme. Yeah. But a lot of the tracks are very introspective. Mm-hmm. And prayers is definitely introspective, like that first verse. Uh, mm-hmm. But prayers to me seems, I, I, I almost want to say like most socially conscious. Sure. Yeah, I would agree with that. And the most like a song about kind of the world and society. Yeah. And uh, and the things that they kind of did well on this particular record was like incorporating like, you know, real world themes and but mm-hmm. repackaging in a way that kind of made sense for their direction or like kind of their their career arc of what they were going sure. forward and being forward thinkers, too. So, sure. Well, the last song that I'm going to ask you about specifically uh, or just reference, I guess, is Leech. And I just okay. want to shout out what you said, because I, I really liked this. You said Leech features a rare collaboration with Sam Carter of Architects and includes a near Halloween soundtrack type piano intro that blends well into the crunchy guitar riffs. Um, yeah. Just want to shout that out because I, I loved that description of the intro to Leech. Yeah. And, and that in particular, that kind of like piano interlude that kind of starts off that track is very similar to the James Carpenter, um, you know, theme song to Halloween. Okay. It also, it's a little bit different, too, because, you know, it gives that familiar feeling of where have I heard this before? Mm-hmm. But it's also enough that they could like not get copyright sued <laughs> kind of exactly. on, the, on, the, on the latter side of that, too. So it's like some of the same emotions, but not. Mm-hmm copying the song yeah and it kind of made sense for like what they're going with well even like the cover art you know it looks yeah. like you know like a well, Hollywood wait, wait. dead cover but yeah the, the cover art you did not like the cover art you mentioned in the review that you were yeah. not you said the cover art i think you said it was off-putting it was off-putting because um you know the fact that they anytime they've been on the cover of a cd is i mean with good morning revival i think with the self-titled was another one that they're on the cover um it seems like they were branding themselves for a certain direction. Mm-hmm. So in the, in the way I could kind of understood what they're going with it, but it, it would be easy if you're just going across, you know, like let's say target or whatever, and you see this CD cover, you're like, Oh, that's probably a Hollywood undead cover. It didn't seem like it was good Charlotte base, okay. but it, if you put it in the frame of mind that you're like, I'm a good Charlotte fan, I'm going to buy it regardless. Um, you're going to, you're going to get that type of vibe of like that. This is kind of like mysterious kind of thing Definitely. from that album cover. So it, it does make sense in retrospect, I would say so. Okay. I, I appreciate that uh, coming around, I guess. I, sure, I, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. Um, well, you said at the end of the review, you said that the album may not be a masterpiece, may not be a masterpiece, but they are pretty damn close to getting there. What would a good Charlotte masterpiece look like for you? Yeah, I think my favorite record still to date is probably uh, still the self-titled, um, okay. just the authentic v- version of where they came from and telling their, their story of the, uh, not only their family and personal life, but also like where, oh, where yeah, they there's no next. filter. Yeah, yeah. And it just hits hit after hit after hit. But um, other ones that I've really connected with recently have been Cardiology. I just think it's some of the best harmonies they've ever written are on that album. And then uh, obviously Youth Authority, which is a perfect mixture of the aggressive punk that they've done early on, but also some of like the um, Young and the Hopeless style that they throw in there. And then also kind of forward thinking to like other things that they've done, like the standalone single for uh, last December uh, was a great, great standalone single that could have probably fit on Generation RX if they if they wanted to, if it was written at that time. I, I don't know the backstory on that, but. Yeah, yeah, things like that. Yeah, would nice. definitely be in my rank of masterpieces in the okay. GC. Gotcha. Well, 
I want to talk about how you opened the review, which you said over the past few years, I have found it easier to defend my adoration for Good Charlotte, even after many critics had written them off after the multi-platinum success of The Young and the Hopeless, uh, which is a statement. I mean, I completely agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's a topic that often gets brought up on the show because it's really central to Good Charlotte's fandom and their career over the years. But in your mind, why have critics written off Good Charlotte? I think because it's an easy topic to kind of bash somebody. Mm-hmm. It's much easier to um, it's much easier to bring somebody down than it is to build somebody up. I'll say. Um, I'm more from the perspective of being an optimist of like what can I do to like kind of give them cr- uh, constructive criticism mm-hmm. uh, along the way to kind of see where they're going with a, a certain things. So in this particular instance, saying like that a band has been written off, and this is like, oh, they were a flash in the pan. They had uh, great success early on, but they haven't really done anything since. Well, I don't agree with that. Um, I, I think they are still putting enough creativity in each of their records that um, there's still some endearing a value to going back to each of these and seeing where they're going next. So um, I, I think it's way too soon to write them off. Yeah. I, I think there's a certain testament i really like what you said about how they're continuing to have creativity Mm -hmm. um and i think there's a certain testament to the fact that good charlotte you know look are they pulling the numbers that they did you know 18 years ago no but they're still playing pretty packed shows i mean COVID aside you know the fans are still loving the new records right there there's i'm not going to name you know specific names but like there's a handful of bands from kind of that era that people didn't really care after the first like three records, you know, and they still put out records, but nobody cares about them. The fans like adamantly don't care, but good Charlotte is good. Charlotte fans are like hyped for new good Charlotte stuff. Yeah. And I think the fact that they're not willing to um, make the same record twice is a big testament to their creativity too, Yes, because it's so easy to get in that rut of like, well, we have to go back to what was successful before if we want to be commercially successful. Yeah. And they're not going to fall into that trap. Well, and it's like that, that kind of gets onto what you were saying about how, if you were to see this album in a CD store, Mm -hmm. you might not even know it was a good Charlotte album based on the cover, but you know, and there's, certainly a whole discussion to be had on well how do you differentiate between always being creative and reinventing yourself and trying new yeah. things and still being who you are yeah and, the, and it's a fine line to walk with some of those bands because some yeah. bands like we talked a little bit in the beginning about my chemical romance they reinvented themselves so many times that it made sense from their kind of career arc to kind of do that mm-hmm. um but for other bands it might feel a little almost like inauthentic or sometimes a little silly you know to be like well now we have to do like the emo album because we've already done the pop punk album but i I don't i don't feel like they fall into that trap at all with good charlotte so right definitely well i have two more questions for you about this review and then we'll kind of wrap things up sure um well i guess this is not specifically about the review but i want to know how would you convince a critic that had previously been anti-good charlotte you know quote unquote to become a fan to come around i think by listening to the fans first of all see why there is still interest in this band see why they're still able to sell out you know the 930 club besides um 
besides even just their hometown shows, selling out, you know, venues all across the country, yeah. find out from like the fan bases and some of these communities that control it's built up across the States and also across the world about what, what keeps bringing them back to their catalog, what keeps bringing them back to the, the recordings, yeah. um, finding out from that. And then you maybe be able to give them some constructive criticism along the way too. So. Sure. Yeah. I, uh, I like what you said about listening to the fans. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel like I can't remember which the twins said this, but I have this memory and I, I'm sure I've even cited this in a past episode of one of the twins saying like, we've never been a critics band. Like we're for mm-hmm. the fans. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's been so fun for me to talk to you. I talked to Maria Sherman last year, who's a critic and also a very mm-hmm. big, good charlotte fan um and it's been fun for me to see over the years to like see i i almost feel like it's more of good charlotte fans becoming critics than Mm -hmm. critics becoming good charlotte fans uh and and part of that is you know age and and time i think but it's been like a really fun evolution to see and i and i think the the curious part about you know the the fans that have stuck around for so long is it's easy to put them in like that stand category but i hate that word because you know if if you're going after critics because of like their constructive criticism i i can kind of get it like saying well why didn't why did you disagree with that um and where is the music discourse back and forth but if you're just going to bash them because they gave it like a low rating and they construct and they constructively criticize about why they gave a low rating, then I, I kind of don't see where the fans would be coming from, from the stand perspective. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think it's like it, to call someone a stand is, is to kind of say, oh, well, you're like a fan, not just obsessively, but indiscriminately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, having spent a lot of hours over the past few years talking to a lot of good Charlotte fans, I will say good Charlotte fans are not indiscriminate. <laughs> you know, they're yeah. loyal, but they're not indiscriminate. Yeah. Loyal would be the word I would describe. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, amazing. Well, I also am really curious to know about other people at Chorus. You know, mm-hmm. are, are some other people at Chorus? chorus like are there other good charlotte fans you know i was looking at the good charlotte tag and there were a lot of news posts from jason tate um Uh but yeah so jason does all the you know basically the news posts for chorus on on a daily basis and then the great thing about jason is he always features our writing last in the day so it stays up there the longest you know so if i write a review for you know good charlotte um you know it'll be the last news post for that day um where he edits it and then he posts it, but it stays up there for almost like a good 12 to 16 hours before anything else comes uh, above it, which is very nice of him to do that. It'd be easier to intersperse it throughout like the news cycle, but yeah. uh, he has a, he has a cool format that he, he's doing for this. I really appreciate everything he's done for that. So, uh, but for, as far as the other chorus writers, you know, we, we're, we're spread out throughout the country. Um, we all have pretty much full-time jobs. Um, another unique thing about chorus is, most of the time we we don't get assigned things it's more from our perspective about what things we think that our readers would care about and things we can kind of bring into the scene that would be important to us from our perspective but we always listen to our forum members to see if there's other things out there that we should be checking out for sure definitely amazing adam this has been so great uh i just want to ask a few questions to wrap things up sure I always like to ask people, what has Good Charlotte meant to you over the years and how has that changed? 
Uh, what Good Charlotte's meant to me over the years is, um, first of all, they gave me an outlet to get into pop punk. Um, mm-hmm. For a mm-hmm. while, I was getting into that that habit of just listening to whatever was on the radio, uh, of just kind of the alt rock bands and the new metal and stuff like that. And I felt like I wasn't connecting with it as much as I should be. Okay. Um, a lot of those bands, like you know, of like the you know, I don't guess like you know, Incubus and like uh, Lincoln Park and stuff like that, I still have some flavor for, but my heart is definitely into pop punk and like emo and, and stuff like that. That's the, the scene that I really became the who the person who I am today. So, um, the fact that Good Charlotte was one of those kind of gateway drugs into other you know, great genres and great styles, uh, they they talk about on from not only the clothing that they wear and like bands that they shout out like rancid and stuff like that it, it's a great way of getting people into this this culture that they've they've kind of helped create amazing i love it and that that really is a pretty common sentiment that i just love hearing every single time that good charlotte was like a gateway for people mm-hmm. definitely i think that's awesome um any last words about generation rx about good charlotte or about yourself Sure. So uh, any last words about Charlotte? I guess I would say is definitely check out their catalog from either from start to finish or just pick a spot, pick a, a, a great spot in the middle if you wanted to, to kind of see their evolution, see what they've sprinkled in. Uh, and also be forward thinkers, you know, I mean, we talk about Good Morning Revival being like a gateway into what happened further on. So if you check out Good Charlotte throughout the years, you can say, you know, they they didn't want to stay in one lane they wanted to kind of create their own lane um in a lot of ways they've done that so i'm I'm proud to call myself a fan amazing well adam i have a generation gc and friends spotify playlist where i include you know some of the songs discussed on the episode i mean in this case we've uh, already put all of the songs from this album but i want to get a recommendation from you just of anything you're listening to lately that's not good charlotte uh, sure. So the, the band that seems to be at the tip of everybody's tongue uh, on chorus is a uh, turnstile uh, glow. Oh, on okay. is just, glow on is just one of those great hardcore records that has almost like a pop punk feel to it with great harmonies and melodies and stuff like that. And you things that they throw in, in the mix. Also a big fan of anything AFI puts out okay. uh, that kind of dark brooding style that they're going for on the, the new album. I really enjoy it. Um, I said, uh, I guess, other things recently, the band Middle Kids uh, from Australia really connected with me. I was on my mid-year list uh, as my top album. Um, and then, yeah, just other other things in the genre, such as like All Time Low. Uh, they're still doing great stuff. And yeah, I, I guess I'm drawing a blank on the other things on my playlist. But yeah, those are good places to start. And you always reach out to me on uh, either email or, or Twitter or, or whatever else you want to do to give me some recommendations from me. Amazing. Adam, I also like to ask my guests for a charity that they really believe in so that we can encourage listeners to uh, donate. And then as a thank you for a donation, I will send out some stickers. So what's an organization that you would like people listening to this to support? Sure. So usually when I get asked that question is more for uh, an organization called Cancer Can Rock. Okay. And that is for uh, musicians that have an aggressive form of cancer and the money goes directly to those musicians uh, to help with, you know, healthcare costs and things like that. And it's an organization I've been involved in too with a, a organization called DC rockers. Uh, I also played in a cover band. I was a, a vocalist for a while. So um, I got to sing in a, one of those charity events for cancer can rock. And it was great to get the proceeds uh, for a great cause. Amazing. Well, 
Adam, where can people keep up with you and your writing? Is there like a specific link for all your stuff? There is. I'll send you that link uh, in case you want to like tag it in the, the podcast or anything oh, like definitely that. Will. But, but yeah, if you go to any one of my articles on Chorus.fm and click on my name for Adam Grundy, it takes you to my author page and it talks about my top five favorites at the top of the page, as well as how to contact me on you know all the social media sites and uh, email too. Perfect. Adam, this has been wonderful. And I'm so glad that I was able to have you on the show. Listeners, thank you for tuning in to episode 81 of Generation GC. Last time we talked about the Stick to Your Guns interlude from Youth Authority. And on our next episode, we'll be talking about a song from Good Charlotte. My name is Molly Huddleston once again. And as always, I'm your host, as well as the producer, creator, and editor of this show. Please make sure to follow Generation GC at Generation GC Pod POD on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you listen. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts, please. I'd love that. And most importantly, tell your friends. Word of mouth is the best way to make the Generation GC fam even bigger. Thanks for tuning in.